Welcome to Crow Triple Seven live stream tonight. Jason Lingren is here as always. Should be. It's his channel. And uh, Mr. David Weiss, who apparently has been a degenerate drug abuser in his life. No, I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> Dave's coming to actually on the tail of the ayahuasca episode we did. I had no idea. He emails me and tells me he actually did ayahuasca four times. And you know me, I'm all about firsthand accounts. Uh, there's nothing better than first-hand observation or first-hand accounts. Anyhow, welcome, Jason. Hello, and before we get going, I wanted to share an image with everybody out there, and this is of our friend Brian sporting his Crow 777 radio shirt down in Mexico. Nice. What he? he said Acapulco, didn't he? Yep. I think yeah. he's there for uh, whatever that thing is called, a Anarchapoco. Oh, is that what it is? Okay. I, I think it. so. Yeah, I believe so. But anyway, he wanted to uh, to, to sport that at the uh, conference or whatever they consider that, and he sent that over to us. Brian's actually one of the cool folks that uh, we got to meet in person when we did our little meetup down in New Orleans last year. Right, man. He makes that shirt look good, puts a little stud behind it. Um, and just so people know, if you're a recurring member of Crow 777 Radio, you get all the shirts and everything at cost, and you get Shoot the Moon for free as well. Um, shirts aren't cheap when you have them made uh, online, so it helps to get them at cost. Anyhow, uh, welcome, David Weiss. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Um, I loved uh, the last episode and probably ep every episode before that, but <laughs> we'll just stick with the last one. Well, I think there was one episode that I only <laughs> liked. Oh, come on. Which one? I, don't I dare remember. you. I, don't I dare remember. you. Long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> There's been a few. Um, we we usually hit it at least close to the wall and try for outside the park every time, but there's been a couple times. But episode 200 is going to clear the uh, home run wall by quite a bit. Anyone who listens to that and still doesn't understand full-spectrum programming, I don't know what to say. Awesome. So in the past, I've heard you talk about ayahuasca, jumping right into the topic, and uh, your opinions on it. And... I just kind of kept quiet, and you you were very clear to say, you know, you haven't done it. You you have. I mean, you didn't really know much about it. Um, but it seemed like what was the gentleman's name that was on last week's show? Richard. Richard. But, Richard. but let me let me be clear. I'll let you finish, but <laughs> yep. let me be clear on my point of view, just so people don't put words in my mouth. I interrupted you. I was going to let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's all right. I was just going to say. Um, uh, my question was a, more of a question. Did he kind of flip your opinion a little bit or at least open you up to more possibilities? So here's the thing. And this is why I wanted to state it. I think ayahuasca is fantastic for people who truly are seeking and want to do it right. I think any drug that we might call a hallucinogen. As a matter of fact, I'm not even sure I would class ayahuasca as a drug per se. Definitely um, not. It, it's not like you pick it up on the street corner. Um, but my point is I lived through the 60s and the 70s. Drugs were a big part of those decades and in San Diego running up into the 80s. And these are powerful, powerful substances. And I saw a lot of lives get messed up and I kept getting all these things. Why don't you, you know, accusing me of not liking it. So I'll be clear. I've done mushrooms a number of times. 
I did LSD back in the day when it was around. And by the way, there's where I draw the line. I don't recommend anyone does LSD ever. You don't know what the chemical is. You don't know what the dose is. But mushrooms, that's a different thing. That's made by nature. There's still a dosage problem uh, for most people there. But my point that I was trying to make is I kept getting all these emails saying how great it was to go out and get wasted on mind-altering substances. And I said, no, I'm not down with that. I've experienced enough heartbreak and other horrible things to know that's not correct. Um, but I have nothing against uh, using these, what I'll call tools, uh, for spiritual seeking. As a matter of fact, I think that's why they're here in this world. Yeah. So when people, you know, pair mushrooms and acid together, it's an unfair pairing. One is man-made nightmare and the other one grows is made by nature. And, you know, ayahuasca, uh, mushrooms, um, marijuana, those are all by nature. Now, all of these things can be abused uh, for sure. Um, and uh, I've done all of them. And you, you know, marijuana, is, is, I would say, is the easiest to use. And I, I, I think people can handle that on their own. But something like, um, and mushrooms are in the middle, but ayahuasca, if you don't have a gifted shaman guiding you through this area that you don't even understand, you know, that's the mistake. People, you know, can do it on their own and uh, you're opening up doorways that, that I still don't even fully understand. And, you know, and I've been learning. Well, you, we should, we should frame this, you know, from, from the hallucinogens that I have taken in my life. Um, I think I did LSD twice. I wish I never had, but I did, and I was young when I did it. Um, I did mushrooms a number of times over the year. It's almost like you could look at, as an example, psilocybin or the mushrooms. It's a seed, and it's going to grow really quickly and really powerful, but the, the ground it's growing out of is what you have in your mind. If you go into these things in a bad state of mind, or even if you don't, um, sure. you may find things amplified that will shake you to the core. It's possible. Yep. And uh, Richard was talking about how ayahuasca um, uh, causes neurogenesis, the growing of new synapses in your brain. And the same has been proven with mushrooms where they've been using it on uh, people with depression and, uh, you know, uh, PSD to PSD, post-stress disorder. Yep. Whatever that is. Something like that. Yeah. Um, with tremendous success. So, you know, there is, there is, huge benefits and calling them a drug is again, super unfair. These are medicines getting back to ayahuasca. I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't hear Richard really. I don't, I'm not sure you guys grasped how it's made. And, uh, and cause he was talking about taking the ayahuasca um, root by itself without the MEO inhibitor, which I forget the name of it, of, of it is, but when you take ayahuasca yourself, your stomach acids, the, the, the the, your saliva neutralizes, you know, 99% of the, the, um, trip. What, what is that? Um, what's the drug called? What's are we, the name? Is, are we calling it DMT or DMT, something like the, that? Yeah. Whatever the, the, the molecule, it neutralizes it. Cause there's DMT in everything in lettuce and broccoli. Um, but it's neutralized when you eat it. And the, you know, the shamans in the Amazon were taught by the plant to mix this other leaf in with it, which neutralizes it. And then you get the full teaching of this plant. And when I say teaching, it's amazing. Um, ayahuasca found me. 
Okay. It was, uh, it, I had heard about it. Um, I, I came across a video. I watched a couple of videos. I'm like, that sounds really interesting. And I called up my podcast partner, Tim, at the time. And I, no, actually, I was going in to record a podcast. And I said, hey, do you know about ayahuasca? I literally just learned about it maybe a week earlier. And he looks at me. He goes, what? And I go, ayahuasca. He goes, he, basically, the coincidence was his girlfriend's mother or mother's sister, whatever, whatever the relationship was, was married to a shaman who just came back into the States and offered to have us come to a ceremony. I had no idea this was happening. So I'm, I'm like, when, when is he going to be here? And they're like, he's like, in two weeks. So, so I'm like, okay, this is a sign. And I went, and I went with the intention of getting high. I was like, this is going to be great. We're going to trip. I'm going to see colors. I'm going to see all this stuff. And I went with completely the wrong intention. And so what was the result of that? Did you have a terrible experience? No, I had the most amazing, interesting experience ever. Um, do you do you meditate, Crow or Jason? Do you guys yeah, meditate? Yes. Yeah, I have. Yeah. And how often does your mind wander? Well, Every- this is a loaded question. When I'm trying to do meditation that's beyond just mind quieting, um, I don't do it or haven't recently done it enough to get into that state. Yeah. But when you get into that state, I wouldn't call it mind watering. It's almost like going through a door. It's like calming to a point where all of a sudden you can go through a door kind of thing. Yeah, I've kind of got a uh, a method that I use now where it's almost like I take some cables in my brain and connect it up to the universe and I start rising up through consciousness levels. I don't even know how to really explain it, but it it's it's a technique I've come up with over the years. My My, my point was is it's not – it's – most people's minds wander, you know, when I meditate, you know, my mind wanders all the time and I keep bringing it back. Yeah. It takes so a little while. I went into this thing and it basically, we started at like 4 PM with, um, you know, meditation, relaxation, you know, mild conversation, and then some, some prayers and songs and then the sunset. And then we did, uh, and then we did our first, um, like shot glass of ayahuasca and then, an hour later, they they offer a second cup, and I did the second cup, and the ceremony went, you know, until two or three a.m., and I didn't see a single thing. I didn't feel a single thing, and we're in this pitch black room, and I'm wondering what's going on, and I'm I'm like, there's nothing. I feel absolutely nothing, and the whole thing went by. You know, the the shaman singing his song. It was beautiful and everything, but I. Nothing. And then when it was over, I realized I didn't have a single fleeting thought or barely a a fleeting. I was focused the entire time. I felt nothing. And I told the shaman and I and I I went over, you know, we were talking to the shaman afterwards. And my buddy Tim's like, same here. Nothing. He's like, absolutely nothing. And we were disappointed and blown away at the same time. But then the shaman, the shaman was just smiling at us. And by, by the way, he only spoke Spanish. His wife had to translate. And uh, they're just, he's just smiling at us as, as she's translating the story that we're telling. And he said, uh, the teaching will come. Well, over the next two weeks, I started just getting these downloads of just information. And I, I really have a hard time putting it into words. But I just started seeing 
seeing the world as a bigger place, seeing spirituality as being, um, you know, surrounding us and that we're, we're swimming in this spiritual world, which is something that I really didn't think back then. And uh, for the next two weeks, I just felt terrific. I was energized. Just remember you asked him if he was, you know, if there's a hangover or anything. I felt terrific. I, I, my workouts were good. My work was good. My focus was good. My meditating was good. I mean, life just got better. And uh, I was blown away. So um, time went on. And I think about four months later, they were coming back to Pennsylvania. And we went again. This time I had the right intention. I fasted for five days, um, a juice fast for five days going into it. And by the way, this, uh, this ayahuasca is grown in Hawaii, um, where, um, and it was interesting that Jonathan said that that's a much, uh, easier growing, you know, less strenuous for the, for the vine. And it does, doesn't make you, uh, purge from both ends. So the you know I you drink it and so so wait a minute did you purge from both ends? Did no, you, I did not. The first time, the nothing first time, at all. No, second time, that makes perfect. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, the plants grown in different. I mean, people who cultivate cannabis will understand at a basic level this. That makes perfect sense to me. Not only that, Hawaii's mindset um, is very laid back compared to most of the world. Uh, and by the way, I was going to mention. I grew, uh, I, I was president of, well, I don't, I don't want to say, uh, I had to do with growing things. Um, and the San Diego zoo I worked with, I'm not into their slave animal collection, but I helped a lot with certain portions of their plant collection. I had a lot of contacts for plants and I got some San Pedro, the cactus called San Pedro, which I intended on using for people. It's like peyote maybe would be the comparison. Um, but as I grew it, I just got the sense that it wasn't for me or that plant wasn't for me. I was actually reading Carlos Castaneda at the time where he was describing the, the Indian peyote ritual where you could start your journey, the peyote trek, the beginning of it, standing right next to a peyote that's ready to go, but you can't pick that one. You have to walk in a straight line in a certain direction. I forget how they come up with the direction and you can't harvest and take the peyote until it blocks your path. So you can end up walking 10 miles or something like this. Yeah. But anyhow, so, there, there's all that. So getting back, just, just to clarify, I went there the first time with the intention of getting high and seeing visuals. Okay. The, the, the worst, I, I don't call it the worst, but the opposite of what you should really be doing. And the, the lesson that I was given by the mother was the uh, the complete opposite like when you if right now if you close your eyes and lay down to take a 10 minute rest you're going to have tons of visuals your brain is going to go all over the place i had nothing i had the most pure clear thought ever which i never had before i've never i didn't have monkey mind um it was literally i don't want to say emptiness but it was complete stillness and um which is that, impossible for an adult human mind to achieve in the course of an average life. Right. Just so people know, hours. if you pay attention to your mind, you will start to realize that every time you take a breath, you're thinking about something different. That's the basis for meditation. But go ahead, Dave. Well, maybe that's six why hours it leaves you feeling so relaxed afterwards. Yeah, six hours of complete stillness. And then over the next two weeks, my whole outlook on the world changed. So four months later, we go back. And my intention was uh, to 
learn whatever this plant wanted to teach me or the, you know, we call it mother, mother ayahuasca. And, um, I, I didn't even know what to expect. I was trying not to prejudge or, or program myself and try to, you know, I, I, I didn't want to make it, I didn't want to force an experience on myself. Um, and, and I had the, the idea, you know, a lot of people see this blue serpent and everything. And I was a little nervous about that, but I didn't worry about it. So, uh, same setup, get into the, get into the medicine and my father who passed away in 1980 something or late eighties, nineties, whatever it was, showed up, sat down next to me wow. and conversed with me for the entire freaking time. Okay. And I had this heart chakra opening and that I thought I was like sweating and when I when I came out of the medicine, I was sopping wet in a puddle. I mean, I've never sweat that much in a sauna working out for five hours. Okay, it was it was it was insane. And um, that that you know, I I was speechless. I couldn't even speak after that one. Um, and, and you know, did I? I had n never even conceived of something like that happening. So. You have a conversation with your father for some period of time. What's your sense of it? Was it, it your mind creating the conversation, or was it, it something else? I don't. I don't see a crow. I don't know. One here's a mistake that I I uh, I, I made um, is you're supposed to journal, and I'm not. A, I wasn't a big journaler. I, I'm not big on. I wasn't big on handwriting things down, and um, just because I was diet woke at the time. And you need to journal because there's stuff that I was thinking of that you can't remember the next day or, you know, it, it just it comes and goes. So kind of like a but, dream. Yeah, it, it, it was it was it was wild. Um, did you in, in any. So you did this four times. I think you told me. Yeah. Did did you get the sense? One of the things that happened the first time that I did a mind altering substance, uh, and I was in nature is it gives you a sense that the, the old like Shinto ideas, Japanese ideas are true, that there's a spirit in everything, um, that you walk by a tree, you know, it's alive, but you don't realize the level at which everything is alive. Um, did you get any sense of that? Absolutely. So after that one, we were in the mountains in Pennsylvania at this, um, you know, this, this lodge on the top of a, on top of a mountain. And we went out in the field. Um, it's like two o'clock in the morning and the sky was as clear as it could possibly be. It was like, we were like in the middle of nowhere, could see the, the rift in the sky, the stars, meteors going every direction. Um, it was incredible. And then, and then just the trees around us were alive. I was literally, hugging trees not like i was tripping on ecstasy or anything like i could feel the energy of these trees and you know some people look at that and go oh you know you're tripping but i was so alive i was walking around barefoot in this in this grass and i just felt my connection to the earth um it that that i would say that's the point of my life right there that changed me that made me start looking at reality instead of the materialistic nonsense that we're all um, programmed to to want more of. Right? I, I live in an affluent area outside of New York City, and it's all about 
materialism and more, 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 I realized that that was not the path that my life was going on. Well, a big, you know, that's actually a huge, so much of what we cover is about that, the programming that we cover, um, the, the foundation for modern existence in the program, it's materialism, it's what it is. There's your foundation. And it separates the universal mind of all human beings away from what the world could be. And that's the control mechanism. You know, this is why I think ayahuasca and other things like this are awesome tools if they're not misused or used in the Western mindset of I'm going to go trip or get high, basically misusing them. And they're very powerful things to be misusing. But uh, th- it would break the programming if people took these experiences, even if they just did it once, because you see something that's there all the time that for some reason you couldn't see. I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. So what the way I the way I describe it when people ask, like, where you know, where do you go? We're laying in that room on the physical floor. We're like on these yoga mats. And the ayahuasca takes us to just a, an etheric level above us where there's other, in, where there's all of the intelligence. It's all there. So this is what I, what I, what I realized the third time. So the third time I went thinking I'm going to have this other heart opening chakra experience again, I'm kind of expecting the same thing. I was wondering if was my father was going to come back and and what happened was I, I went into this, this realm and there was all of these intelligences. Now, I was actually looking for the blue-headed serpent smurf, which I did not find. Um, but there was all of these, For the only words I can come up with are souls, just these souls, these, these soul beings that were just talking to me and giving me information and 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 welcoming me and it was just an experience that literally brings tears to my eyes when i think about it and then shortly um after then i started running into um things about souls just information on souls i have this one website that i that i send to people often about what are souls where do they come from and when i read into that um, this was this was a, a while after. I don't think it was the same article that I've been passing around, but it it was it's just fascinating how how these lessons were handed to me at the time that I needed them. Like the first one was was intense. Nothing happened. That was intense, you know, because my mind, I would say I have more of a monkey mind than anybody back then. I was you know, a hyper kid and uh, not I wasn't even that young, but it it was such an experience it was amazing and you then know, we, we we should mention you know when i posted the ayahuasca episode i actually thought it would be more popular than it was and what i saw on the social platforms was a lot of fear and a lot of religion turning it into satan and the devil and all the nonsense that's basically based in fear and not understanding and i would point out to people not only that even you dave you came into this thinking i had a negative view of these things which i don't i have a negative view of the western mindset of we get high that's what we do yeah um that's my that's where it's been unhelpful but for people who don't know anything about it who are not really standing in line to do it i would recommend Go get some books. Um, 
that Shaman and other people have written or old accounts of how these plants have been used for spiritual growth. And you will notice that, first of all, in these cultures, and this is where I found the respect line, um, there's a guy who's the professional, the shaman, whatever you want to call them. This is never about getting high. This is never about Sunday night football in the jungle. This is never about any of these things. It is revered. It is taken seriously. Fasting is often done, praying, singing, and they use these things. But some of the people that begin to explain the experiences, I don't know how anyone could read these accounts over and over um, and not realize there's something to it. And I'm not suggesting this is for everyone. It absolutely isn't. If you don't have the right mindset and you do not want to seek, then it probably isn't for you. But I was just talking to Jason the other day. I haven't done it. I don't plan to do it. But that's not to say that if I find myself in a spot where it seems like, hey, man, I want to do this um, or it's calling me or, you know, my my path is crossing and I, I may do it. But I just want to make that perfectly clear because there was so much fear across YouTube and other places and, you know, all the demon nonsense and everything else that goes with it, which is basically just people who don't understand and they're afraid of it. it just just the fact that the that the shamans um, figured out that this one leaf mixed in with this was a MAO inhibitor that would activate this. I mean, and, they, and if you ask them how how that was discovered, they said that the plant to- taught them. So the the knowledge, the information in these medicines, we never, I never ever refer to it as a drug. It is, you know, you are in the medicine. Well, there's there's plenty of accounts like that. I believe that all day long. And here's why: if there's two million kinds of plants in the jungle, what are the odds that one dude's going to figure out how to put one with the other? Um, first of all, but there are other accounts that I've read about, like one shaman had a person who was sick and didn't know how to treat them. So he used the ayahuasca to ask the jungle, how can I help this person? And in the ayahuasca state of mind, he was told, seek the plant where the leaf looks like a lung. I forget the name of it. Um, So he does this after the fact. Um, And it turns out that it was a lung issue that the leaf of the plant that he sought ended up curing the person. And there's a few different accounts you can read where people were basically taught what to do next because they didn't know what to do. And when you read accounts like that, it's it's hard to dismiss, you know, this isn't just poppycock. Right. And, and you know, you've made the comment that uh, cell phones have retarded us, um, where we might even be communicating telepathically if we didn't have them. Yep. Uh, you know, I think with all of the you know, the, the metals that they're spraying in the sky, all of the frequencies that they're cranking out there, you know, mixed with everything else. That's exactly what's going on. They don't want us making these connections um, because they can't control a world of people that are awake, connected and alive. So they don't want you to understand the ether either. Um, Cell phones are destroying. I'm convinced now that, that 5g and cell towers and, Many things in this vein are destroying or adversely affecting what we call the ether. If you'll recall, a man named Einstein came along uh, to become famous wearing the same suit every day of his life, making up a bunch of nonsense to include gravity, which is provably a theory based on a theory, and he dismisses the ether. That should tell you, anyone with half a brain cell left, that the ether is an important idea for this actor, this fraud called Einstein to come dismiss it with no 
no theorem, no mathematics, no test, no nothing. And the basically the reason he did it is because Mickelson and Morley uh, had demonstrated that it does exist. And that's not even new news. Ether had been taken as a fact for Lord knows how many centuries. So before I tell you about my fourth experience, which was the the last one, and uh, and I really don't have a desire to do it again. Um, I sure would like to do it again. I think, but I, it, it has to find me because I, I there's no way that I'm that I'm looking to go do it again. It, it, it's it's interesting, but so the second time I went, um, so my, I'm going again with my buddy Tim. We both had the same experience of nothing, nothingness, you know, silence. Um, and they separated us. We're, you know, we're we're in this dark room, can't see each other. I had this heart opening experience. I'm in a pool of sweat when I was done. It was just life changing. And um, you know, we go up to the shaman and his wife, and she looks and she says, um, "So, you know, did you uh, did you experience anything more?" And he even gave us like a tiny bit more than he did the time before. Um, and I told him this amazing story of, you know, my heart opening up and my father and, and all of this stuff and the big smile on his face. She's translating as I'm talking. Amazing. And then they look over at Tim and they said, and you, and his story was he took the first shot. He immediately went into the fetal position. This virus fungus grew out of the floor and ate his legs. He's laying there while skulls are coming out of the floor. These undead came, tormented him. And he's literally having this experience from hell. And then we were told, if you're ever in trouble, just listen for the shaman's song. So he's listening for the song. He can hear the song, but it's not working. And he, he opens his eyes. And the only light in the room was a little lit switch across the room, a little orange wall slit. And he's looking at that. He's like, okay, I'm looking at that. And that thing turned into a dragon and it like flew across the room, incinerated him. So now he's crispy. He's got no legs. He's telling this, this horrific story. Then all of a sudden the shaman's like walking towards him and he sees him. He's like, okay, okay. And then the shaman turned into a centaur and, horns grew out of his head just this horrifying story and he's telling the story and everyone jaws are dropping and and i had the the polar opposite of that but what what it turned out to be was um in the you know in the year or two before that he lost his brother he lost his girlfriend um you know they were killed in in a car crash i'm not sure how his brother died and he was hugely uh every moment of every day waking up um was a fear of death. The, there, and, it is, there it is, man. You bring to the party. This is what I was saying. What's in your mind? You might not even be aware. You think you're over things, and you're really not. This, this is what happens. You don't. And from you know, that moment on, never th- does the fear of death even cross his thoughts. The and he's just been raving about it for years. How that changed his life. Hmm. Uh, amazing. So, so the fourth time. Um, I went with no expectations at all, and I, I, I would say that I wasn't a bad person. I was a normal person, uh, ma- ma- slightly materialistic, you know, you know, same goals, you know, of being, you know, in Westchester County where I live, and or Fairfield County, whatever. And I, I, around here, they would say I was a great guy. Spiritually, you know, you could you could point a couple issues at me. So I, I took the ayahuasca um, 
and I literally ended up in the middle of the Blair Witch Project, and huh? it was, and I was in the, I was purging from both ends several times. Um, I had this this experience that was insanity, but when I came out of it, all of this. I don't want to say evil, but all of this negative stuff that was inside of me was gone. I had no more urges, not that, you know, no more negativity, no more. um, I just, I just became a, a, a more pure person and that's who I am today. It, 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 if I didn't go those four times to ayahuasca, I would not be here talking to you guys right now. I would have a completely different life. Well, the whole point, you know, when you let me know about this was to get another firsthand account. And it's surprising how many people came after the ayahuasca episode thinking that I had a negative view of it. I don't in the least. I think it's the real deal. Um, I think it can do everything that's claimed and more. I just don't think it's for everyone. And my main point is in the Western world, what we've been taught to do with anything that resembles a drug is get high with it. And that's the wrong mindset. Yeah. Um, And so that's what I was against when, you know, if I had to look back at all the people that grew up around me um, through high school, I'd say about half of them made it out to any kind of a life that mattered. Uh, There were a number that died. There were a number who were just damaged. They weren't going to be able to operate like normal people. There were a number who went to jail. Um, This is what the drug culture brought. And I probably more than half actually where I was. I actually grew up in the town uh, where crystal meth was introduced into this country by the Hells Angels. Um, There was a point in the 80s in San Diego when you could drive down any city street in a place like El Cajon and every garage light was on. It was that epidemic. And by the way, much different than meth ended up being. It got worse and worse and worse as they began outlawing the chemicals that make it. So pretty soon you're sucking chemicals out of a battery and other gnarly things to make your little dope uh, and sneaking it up through Mexico. But that's what I saw. Um, so, so doing ayahuasca the proper way is an endeavor. It's, you know, it's a, it's, it's, you know, you usually have to travel. It's, it's not something that you can do, you know, and then just go back to what you were doing. But the other thing that's out there is DMT. People are smoking DMT, um, which is a, it literally gives you uh, a, a, uh, a DMT trip, an ayahuasca, I'll call it an ayahuasca trip, but in 15 minutes, 15 minutes, you're back. You see, you, go, you see, the West, the West will figure out how to make a high out of anything. <laughs> Wait, hang on. But let me let me tell you, I, I, I will admit I've done DMT I don't know, just four or five times, I think. And um, and I didn't do it to get high. I did it to go visit where I was to see if it brought me to the same place. And it did. But when I when I do it, I, I and I did it without a shaman and. I don't think I'll do it again. I'd rather see everything again and I could feel the presence of the intelligence and it's kind of a warming good feeling and and I would and I'll be honest, I got some benefit of it. Um but I think it could be dangerous. Yeah. Um I don't, you know, I I've thought a few times about doing ayahuasca, getting a shaman and uh doing the whole thing, but my problem is this. In the livelihood that I've done now for years and years, you look at things that drive a lot of people batty 
I can't tell you how many people end up divorced or lose all their friends looking at the things that I research all the time. As a human being, it doesn't phase me anymore uh, at all. But nonetheless, I know it's all in there. Yeah. And, and, yeah go, so, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know it's in there. And if that's something that would need to be purged, I'm not sure I would want to have to go through that. Um, <laughs> cause I know it's all in there. I can function as a normal human being. It doesn't bother me in the least, but honestly, I you know, know it it's doesn't, all in there. That You can't say that crow because I thought that I was, um, good. I didn't have anything to purge. And, uh, that, that fourth time taught me differently. It's just like someone saying, I, I don't care if the earth is flat. I'm fine on the ball. That's not true. Um, it, it, it opens you up and it shows you, uh, answers to questions that you that never knew existed. Um, well, and I, I always I, say, I, I know always exactly, say that, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. from firsthand experience when I did, uh, LSD the second time I was in a cornfield by myself and I kept hearing blue <laughs> and I kept thinking, how is it possible to hear blue? And I'm looking at all this corn in front of me. I'm looking left and right and everything's green. And I'm all, how can I possibly be, I don't know how long I was there. And I stood up to leave and someone had thrown one of these banana boat, like, uh, you know, an ice cream boat holder away and sitting behind me was a blue banana boat that I've been hearing the whole time. Um, and you walk away from that understanding <laughs> that it is in fact possible to hear a color. <laughs> um, was my part? Oh, my part was if every person on earth or every politician was forced to do uh, a few days in a row of ayahuasca we'd live in a whole new world That's there's perfect. no way we need a new law <laughs> yeah it's like oh oh you're elected you have to go uh, right to this Brazil way for yeah for two weeks and do uh, nine ayahuasca ceremonies and, and then they come back and go i'm not going to be a politician <laughs> but i don't want to take all the money anymore I just, <laughs> I just feel good about helping people. You don't need to lobby me. Yeah. How, how do you feel about doing ayahuasca and then singing the 9-11 chant? <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right. Well, well, we've covered some ayahuasca here. Um, we're, we're a little over halfway through. Do you, Jason, do you want to preface what's coming in 200 at all? Sure, let's do that. 200 is, uh, well, that, that's that's a milestone to, to start with. So we wanted to do a really good show between Crow and myself to really say, okay, so where, where did we start from and where are we at now? And we wanted to deliver an episode that really nailed everything home again. So it's all on science fiction and the social engineering programming that came from that. Uh, it's kind of, sort of, along the lines of what I did at the presentation at that FE 2019 or whatever that's what it's called. But way more detailed and uh, very more intricate. Yeah, there's there's no way that you're going to listen to an episode like 200 if you are truly seeking and have an open mind. This will tell you who, what, when, how, where, why. Uh, it'll be one of the foundational things that demonstrate um, all the planning that's gone into the nonsensical world we live in that seeks to keep us away from the spiritual mind, from the human mind. Uh, which to me, things like ayahuasca, ayahuasca are a possible path to these things. It's this world of materialism and misconception that keeps us all under control. And most of the misconception these days is based around fear. Um, so we're going to demonstrate 
uh, over a timeline that starts where Jay's right about nineteen or eighteen eighteen. Eighteen eighteen is, is where, the first one. Yeah. Yeah, January one, eighteen eighteen is where our timeline's going to pick up, and we're going to roll it right up into the modern age. And to be perfectly frank about it, what we're laying down is not debatable. Um, I've researched it for a long time. Jason brought stuff that he researched for a long time. I cross-referenced a lot of what we did to other researchers, Estelin, Hoffman, Downard. There were a few people where I cross-referenced um, some of the work we were doing. So it'll be a big episode, and it'll be a linchpin for those who want to get a straight mindset about the world we're living in right now. And we... We're kind of talking about the fact that after 200 episodes, is there still more to talk about, or have we said it all? And what was it that you said to me, Crow? <laughs> I feel like I'm on ayahuasca. I don't remember. When did we have this conversation? <laughs> uh, toward the beginning of the, of the episode, before we got into it. Basically, what it came down to was that, that even after 200 episodes, there's still plenty to talk about, and new episodes will be coming every week because there is so much more to break down for everyone. Oh, oh, I remember what you're, yeah, okay, sorry, I spaced, I, I branded, but you know, even just to demonstrate that what that's David true. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> Hot sauce. No, um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, uh, before this started, you and I were talking about Disney, which we've covered quite thoroughly. But we haven't covered everything Disney has to offer, have we? And that may be a future episode, too, going back. And at this point, it's maybe more about showing that these things were all planned out. These were insiders who had a goal, who had a roadmap, who had a blueprint on where they wanted to go, and they implemented it. And that's what we're watching unfold right now. And, you know, we've shown a number of times that books like Animal Farm or 1984, Lord of the Flies, any number of books that everyone was supposed to read in school because that's their revelation of method in a weird way. Um, these were put in place by the same damn Every time, it's the same damn circle. The, the royalty, the oligarchs, the banking cartels, uh, it's always the same concerns. David, since we have you here, what do you think about the science fiction influence on the way people are back then and today? I think it's completely brainwashed the world into believing utter nonsense. Well, we could almost lay the globe Earth at the feet of science fiction, couldn't we? Absolutely. I mean, I think that what they call science, I'm not even sure where they're teaching real science anymore. I mean, everything I'm seeing is... It's just garbage. Well, well everything's the, in the, the hypothetical science. now, which makes it fiction. I mean, well, yes, we have tech, we have our computers, and there's lots of science going on, but it's just, you know, it, I'm seeing so much globe propaganda, it's overwhelming. And they're, and they're going after the kids. You see NASA with their new Paxi cartoon? No, I haven't seen that. Uh, it's, it's unreal. They're, they're targeting four-year-olds into the space religion. Well, well we're going to the moon, out, don't yeah, you know? This cat's out of the bag. Um, the only thing that stops this, uh, from my current point of view, is the iron-fisted control, which we're we're getting there. Yeah, um, I mean, there's there's going to be a run for it. There's going to be another 9/11-like event, or bigger, or more grand in scope, where they're going to go for the whole thing. Um, and because once you have iron-fisted control, nobody gives a damn what anybody knows. Um, Crow, it just takes two generations to change everyone's mind. And since I did the Ruth interview, 
with a hundred and two year old woman. Um, there's other people finding other, you know, other hundred year olds and they're interviewing them. There's newspaper articles that people are finding that in the early 1900s was everyone knew the earth was flat. So they changed it in a hundred years. They, they've, you know, or less than a hundred years. They, they, they changed us from, uh, an obvious, uh, observable, testable flat earth to a crazy spinning ball where we're monkeys. So anything could happen. Well, this is the problem with media at the level we see. Um, you know, we've seen the monopolies broken over and over, supposedly. Ma Bell, you can probably remember that, Dave, when the telephone company was told, you can't be a monopoly and all your infrastructure has to be shared. That was really late, late 70s, early 80s when they broke so-called Ma Bell. We saw it again with the antitrust suit where Microsoft used Internet Explorer to destroy market share in a market that it for some reason apparently microsoft wasn't aware of the internet it wanted the whole computer industry but it got such a slow slow start on the internet and netscape was prime you're told monopolies are bad well monopolies are bad because there's no competition and it gives one group way too much power and control of cost and control of everything but you see what's going on here is out of one side of their mouth the leaders of everything are saying, yes, monopoly is bad. You can't do that. But on the secret side of their mouth, they're actively going for the ultimate monopoly. And that's really what all this is about. It's They're, they're going to try to make a one world government. Uh, they're going to try to combine everything everywhere under one control center. And to do that with what's happened and how many people have begun to wake up, the only way I can see it coming is iron-fisted control. You know, think back to the hippie era where people are putting daisies down the barrels of guns, um, where you're just so under the thumb of a regime that it does not matter what you know about a globe or not a globe or any damn thing because you're basically in a police state at that point. Um, so, and I think these are important things to think about because if that next big massive event that dwarfs 9-11 because it's got to envelop more countries more readily happens. People need to be awake to that and ready to say, no, nope, my TV just told me that, so I know it's a lie. Even if you're wrong, that is what you should be saying every day of your life. Um, here we are. When we come through episode 200, your jaw's going to fall open um, at the complicit nature of people who you thought you respected, like the author of Dune, Frank Herbert. Or Tolkien. We didn't include him, but we could. Um, do you think it's a coincidence that he named his second book The Two Towers? And then when they made the movie, they put the all-seeing eye on Mordor? Um, it never ends. And so I think these ideas are critical. And we just need to get over that hump where more people are not jaded, but they're just not accepting things anymore. Where they're questioning everything. Because it makes it difficult for iron-fisted control to be had under those conditions. So, David, before we end up, we only got 10 minutes left here. What would you say is the difference between the person who initially went to Peru and how, how did the four experiences change you to where you're at today? I didn't go to Peru. I, I did this all in the mountains in Pennsylvania. Um, the oh, shaman right. is, you didn't travels up yeah. the East Coast here. Um, it, I, it changed me profoundly. I, I, you guys wouldn't know who I am. I wouldn't be in the truth community. I would be a, I, I'm convinced I would just be one of the um, brainwashed zombies out there uh, fighting to make more than the next guy. And uh, 
I wouldn't be who I am. It, it, it helped me. Now it's not for everybody. Do, do other, do you, you know, is it a crutch? Is it a, is it a, is it a, um, is, is it a trick or, or what, what's the word I'm looking for? You know, is it a cheat? It's not a cheat because we are part of this earth. We are, we are living in this earth system. We belong to the earth. This came from the earth. The, 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 that plant is, is no different than I am as far as, um, you know, it's creation and it's purpose here. And we came together for a reason and it, it helped me to go where I am. It, you know, if I didn't do it, maybe that's cheating. You know? you know, I think a lot of people hear you say that and they're all, what, what the hell is Dave on about? But I'll, I'll give an example. Has anyone ever looked into the story of how the first metalsmith made the first samurai sword, which may be some of the apex swordsmithing that we've ever known in this world? The claim is, is that a father and a son uh, were tasked with making special swords. So they fasted for a week or something like that and prayed and then went up to the smithy where they prayed for the answer to these riddles about metal smithing, which they were given because they produced the first true samurai sword. So you can see what goes on here in this idea that a human being has a divine spark and there are other ways than just regular learning from a book or a person to gain knowledge. And I think ayahuasca represents that. I think spirituality represents that. I think earnest prayer represents that. And I think it's important to point these things out, Dave, because most people without experience in these things um, can't get over the new age idea of it. Yeah. Just, uh, again, these are things that grow out of the earth. Um, I think there's a purpose for them. And, you know, it, it, it met with me. It taught me. It helped me. Um, and, and I don't know how I would be where I am today without those experiences. Maybe those experiences could have come another way. I don't know because I did it. So... Um, and the, the thing is, it was so amazing. It's not like I do that again. Uh, it's the opposite. It's it's not. I don't feel the call to do it again right now. But I'm not saying that 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 could change at another time if I need something taught to me. But um, the path that I'm on now, I, I'm I'm kind of learning new lessons every single day, several times a day, all night long, and and I don't feel that I um, need anything uh, anything to connect me. I feel more connected. Maybe maybe that's what it was. It it connected <clears throat> me. We're we're all um, receiving information through our pineal gland from these extra realms, but that's why they, you know, fluoridate our pineal gland. They, they the gland, they, they put the chemicals in the sky. They're trying to disconnect that. I've made the connection and, and I, and I feel like I have a good connection. So that's well, where this, I am. This is what cell phones are partially about. I, I'm convinced they're knocking on ether's door. They're doing negative things. And this is, this is the interconnectedness. This is the mind stream idea. This is the interconnectedness of all human beings, the apex living form here. But when I saw all the fear, mostly from religious people, about the ayahuasca episode, 
I felt like typing in the comments, which I don't really do anymore to avoid censorship. Um, so you're saying that this goes against God, yet this is God's creation and God put ayahuasca here. So how do you balance that ledger? You know, it just none of it makes any sense. And it was so fear based. Every account, meaningful account on ayahuasca or other mind altering substances used by indigenous people in a spiritual way. It's not about getting high. It's about being taught. It's about learning. I look at it no different than eating organic food. It just it's it's something that's here. You do responsibly. Um, there's lessons to be learned here. There's experiences to be had and there's growth to be had. I think we're here to grow. Our souls want to grow and experience. And it's our job to uh, present that opportunity. The opportunity is there is to to see the opportunity and take it. You jumping in here, Jason, or did you uh, leave us in the dust? Yeah, eat my dust, man. Uh, actually, I wanted to say thank you to Commercial Stand and Video for the six dollars and thirty three cent uh, super chat. And he nice. says we will know our disinformation campaign is complete when everyone believes in the globe. Great show, guys. Thanks. <laughs> That's pretty funny. All right. Uh, how much time we have? Are we are we getting a video in here or are we just going to talk it down the wire? Well, we've only got four minutes left, so if, I don't know if it's really worth trying to get into a video this week. All right. Um, well, anyhow, thanks so much for coming in and giving a firsthand account, Dave. Um, ayahuasca is a pretty serious thing, and I thought when I put out the episode, it would be like giving people an insider view of things they'd wondered about or things they didn't know about. And for some people, it was that. And a lot of people made contact and said they're interested in going to Peru. Um, but then there was a lot of the other side, too, where it was clearly fear-driven. Oh, you're communicating with demons and all the nonsense that you hear. Um, a fear-based campaign that a lot of religious traditions have instilled in people to it's, be afraid of everything in this world. It's no different than when you put out the No Nukes episode. You know, people freaked out. Exactly. Um, people are, are just... You know, they have their beliefs, their unsupported beliefs, their disinformation. Um, and that's OK. If you help one person uh, find their path and ayahuasca is it and they do it, you're you've changed the world with that podcast. So um, you can't just look at, you know, you'll never please all of the people all any of the time, not even all of the time, any of the time. That was a good comparison. It was a lot like the No Nukes episode. But just for the record, man, everyone here is a human being listening to this. You have the divine spark. You don't have to be afraid of anything. And the fact that you can be made afraid of things is exactly how control begins, by using fear and other high levels of emotion. Um, crazy love can be used in a similar way. But my point here is, you know, there are animals that live in this world that rely on fear to exist. A deer, a deer is eating in the meadow and he hears a, a branch break and he freaking runs for it, scared out of his mind because he knows damn well, could be a wolf, could be his butt and he's not wrong. Human beings don't have that concern. There's the difference between animals and human beings. We can think differently, we can make things, but more than anything, we don't have to be afraid of things. In a, in a real world where John Wick is not blaring on the television 24-7. That's why John Wick exists, by the way. So, so normal, yeah. So uh, FDR said the only thing to fear is fear itself. First, did he really say that? I'm assuming he did. I saw a video. Um, 
but that is the truest statement ever. It is. Um, fear, it's like when you were talking about your friend that went through that hell-bent experience on the ayahuasca, and it was miserable for him, but he shed something at that moment. And I know exactly what he's talking about, because to get to a point where you can shed fear of death is a major milestone. You know, in some of the old Eastern meditation traditions, I've forgotten the name of the practice, they would take the learning monks out and tie them to a tree in a creepy cemetery. And that was part of the training to remove fear from the human body. There was other more atrocious things they did too. But you go back to the supposed Egyptian ceremonies where they were supposed to go through death and the whole mummification, which was something totally different. The idea here is, is I know what it means to be free of the fear of death and to understand there's nothing to be afraid of here. But in the modern era, the main tool, the main tool of all programming is high emotion. And it doesn't matter whether it's fear, hatred, bigotry, um, anything, any high emotion that can be instilled into a human being is the garden they need to plant their spell seeds, their little black magic-y things they're going to do. First ingredient is high emotion. So shedding fear is like putting on armor, literally. So let, let, let me just say the one last thing is the fourth experience, that, <coughs> excuse me. The fourth experience I had where I was literally dropped into the middle of the Blair Witch Project um, <laughs> was probably the most transforming for me, where I literally shed um, all of the bad stuff. But if that came first, I would have it wouldn't have been the same. I needed those other three beforehand, and I never would have done ayahuasca again. Um, but after having that experience, I have no fear of doing ayahuasca again. Um, but that would have left me in fear at the beginning if I had to, if that happened first. And you know, that's not that they they wanted to give me that lesson and not leave me in fear. And and it worked. I don't make think sense. I've, yeah, I've, I've never talked to a person, and there have been a number that have given me firsthand accounts of ayahuasca and and some peyote and actually some pan, San Pedro. There's not been one that didn't tell me it was life-changing in a way. Um, but, you know, these people are, to a person, pretty open-minded and seeking. Uh, they were not going after these substances for the sake of getting high. They were spiritually seeking. But to a person, they said they were transformed in one way or another, and some profoundly. A couple of them have said it changed everything about them, their, their entire view of living in this world. And and I don't know how you poo-poo that. I don't know how you, you hear accounts like that or do research if you're smart enough to do research instead of just guessing and then not take it seriously. And that's why we did the I episode. But anyhow, Jason, we're, we're getting closer. You want to get something in? Oh, we're there. Uh, definitely join us this week again for episode 200 at Crow Triple Seven Radio. This Wednesday, Wayne and I will be back with our weekly live stream. We haven't decided on a topic yet, so we'll announce that soon. And, uh, you know, maybe we should take a moment to announce all the places we actually are at. For instance, you. Well, first of all, David, why don't you put your stuff out? Um, I, I don't have a lot except, you know, my app. I have a big update coming on the Flat Earth, Sun, Moon, and Zodiac Clock app, which should be out this week. Talk about um, that for a moment, David. I've added I've added some new features. Uh, there's two new pages on it. One is going to have links to, uh, um, you know, Flat Earth-friendly websites and shows such as yours. You guys are in there. 
Um, I have a page with all different languages for um, people that are looking for flat earth content in their language. Um, I've changed all of the words to uh, universal icons. So it just looks better. The buttons are bigger, easier to use. Um, a lot of fun. And there's a way to help support the app and me by donating the smallest amount possible, which is 99 cents a month. And uh, you get unhittered access to everything. And if you don't want to pay the 99 cents, you still get everything. Well, we should point out that Jason and I are going to create a Lunar Wave-based video in support of your app. Uh, and the reason or part of the reasoning behind that is it's possible, it's not certain, but it's possible that the 2012 lunar wave, which preceded the kickoff of the flat earth movement as we see it today, by about 30 days, may have contributed uh, to people re-examining things they thought they knew, everything they needed to know about, and in it will be my account, because I put up the lunar wave, 30 days later flat earth kicks off, and I didn't know to make heads or tails. So I'll tell the story of what I did to try to come to some conclusion about is this real or is this internet nonsense? And uh, it was real, and I'll I'll talk about how I got there. Very cool. So yeah, everybody, please check out David's app. He's doing uh, great work, constantly updating it. He's trying to make it the best he can be, and I'd say he is knocking it out of the ballpark there. And of course, uh, David, every how many shows a week do you do now? I know you do Monday with Jaron. That, that's it. Just Monday with Jaron. Uh, occasionally we knock out a podcast, but you know, Matt and I are, are busy with our real jobs. So, um, we get to those when we can. Yeah. I, I didn't even realize you stopped doing that not till not too long ago. So, cause I joined you on we one didn't of those. Stop. We back. just, we're just lengthening the intervals. <laughs> <laughs> you get to it when you get to it. Well, yeah. we should, before you list everywhere we are, we should do a big shout out to all the people who showed up on D live. Um, thank Thank you, all you people. We're trying to migrate people to DLive. Um, so it looks like today, I'm looking at the numbers. Actually, DLive was a larger force than YouTube. For it, the first it was time. for a little while. Uh, YouTube ended up overtaking it. But yeah, we definitely uh, had it the other way around for a little while, which is cool to see because, I mean, we all know what YouTube is, everyone out there. And the guys over at Globusters ended at six o'clock sharp and sent uh, sent people over. So oh, thanks, that man. was nice. Yep. Ah. Very cool, very cool. All right, so you're going to list everywhere we are, Jason? Right, so Crow has a Twitter, is it, or is it an Instagram? No, you have a Twitter, right? I, I actually have a Twitter and an Instagram. Rose runs the Instagram. I run the Twitter. It's the only social media I run. Well, I run YouTube. Okay, and then, of course, Crow and I each have our respective YouTube channels, which I'm, you would have to know about because you're here. Uh, let's see, then we have the uh, Crow777 page on Facebook, and we have... The Crow Triple Are you going to tell people what the Twitter and the Instagram names are? Just Crow Triple Seven, C R R O W seven seven seven. Okay, that's Twitter and YouTube. We have Vimeo on Demand, which has Shoot the Moon, the the full length movie. People who are recurring members of Crow Triple Seven Radio dot com get the movie for free. We'll have it on Blu Ray or something after the film festivals get done with it. Yeah, we have later this year. Right. We have a Teespring account, which is where the shirts are coming from, like you saw. Again, if you're a recurring member, you get all that stuff at cost. That's Is that Crow 777 or Crow 777 Radio on Teespring, Jason? That's just Crow 777. So it's Crow 777 on Teespring. Um, there's Secrets of Saturn on YouTube. And then the all-important Crow777Radio.com, C-R-R-O-W-777Radio.com, which is the main housing, uh, our bastion 
against uh, censorship. That's where we will maintain free speech because we own it, we serve it, and we run the servers. So the e the, the European Union can kind of kiss our hairy white butts because they tried to take us over at one point. And by the way, there is an imposter site out there. Some poopy face tomato nose has crow777.com. Don't go there and certainly don't give them money. <laughs> yeah, as a matter of fact, uh, some people actually were fooled into donating. Crow777.com was pirated from me way back in 2015. I made the mistake of saying I was going to set up a website the following week. The following week, someone had just registered it. And that's been a fraud site ever since. Right now, I've got friends that are high in the hacker community. Um, they're saying that malware and other things. So even if you're curious, don't hit Crow777.com. The only real site is Crow777radio. Dot com. Uh, bad things. Almost looks like an inside job. And at one point, we're reasonably sure it was being served from a government data center, if that tells you anything. We also have a bit shoot where uh, Rose has been taking the time to upload all of the telescope videos so those don't get lost in the void. That's slowly but surely uh, uh, building up, including the tree video. Yes. <laughs> all right. And then, uh, <laughs> then, of course, we have the... Uh, Crow Triple Seven Study and Discussion Group, where a lot of people uh, that we, we are now personally friends with, uh, we have great discussions in there, although we do try and keep it centered on the show. But uh, we have a friend that started a, another group called Birds of a Feather that uh, is a little more open, but tr still tries to keep it to the show. And, uh, of course, I think I, I think I got them all. I think we got them all. I, I, I think you do. And I'll also point out um, these discussion groups and plans to get together. Like there's a group in London who occasionally meets around Crow 777 ideas. Uh, I'm getting a number of emails. Got some today from either professors emeritus, which basically means honorably retired from university, or current professors with EDU emails, which are all about what we're doing here. And the one thing I hear over and over is we feel isolated because everyone around us is asleep. So these groups where people come to talk, be good to each other. It doesn't matter if everyone doesn't see eye to eye. Um, there's a whole world out there that needs to wake up, and we are the core that's trying to do that. Other than that, I think we're done, Jason. I think we're good, and we'll see you uh, for episode 200 this Thursday. There it is. Thanks so much, Mr. Weiss. Don't miss episode 200. Uh, we hit it well over the home run wall, and I'd like to wish you all a happy, healthy, and higher-minded year ahead. There it is, man. Cheers.
enemies of knowing. Ha!